0: Tiltomtiptoedju. dot com, the podcast about pop culture, Black history, and spirituality. Yeah, it's about to be a great vibe. Dr. Tip, gon' take it away. Till I'm Hey, y'all. Hey, thank you for joining me for another edition of Tell 'Em Tip Told You. I've missed you guys. It's a beautiful Sunday morning. We're coming out of homecoming weekend. A lot of us are. Happy homecoming to HBCU alum and students alike. Uh, This is one of my favorite times of the year. We get to see old faces and new faces and uh, see how these HBCUs really have set us up for a successful life. Uh, We need to protect our institutions. Let's not come out of this weekend and forget that they exist until next year. Let's work on giving back in all kinds of ways. You know, some of us can afford the financial gifts. Some of us may not be able to, but all of us can donate time and service. We can mentor students, all of the above. You know, let's let's give back in the way that we we sport this nail. You come on coming. Uh, I got some things I want to talk to you about this week. So i want to spend a lot of time today on what it means to heal and to be transparent in that healing. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about voter suppression. And I want to offer you something that I think will help you finish this year out with a bang and really set yourself up for a wonderful 2019. All right. So let's just jump right in. So, a few weeks ago, um, I was accepted to the Storyteller Project, which was a workshop conducted by Dr. Boy Lauren at University of Alabama um, on digital storytelling and it was a phenomenal experience. When I initially applied for the program, you know, I was thinking. Hey, this is a methodology I'm interested in. I think it can really enhance um, and elevate my research portfolio. I can do some cool things with it that are really hip. Do do cool people say hip? Anyway, you know, I was thinking about all these different things and I applied to it from that aspect. But I get there and y'all. That's what brings me to today's conversation. Um. You know, I'm not trying to dial down into my niche right now, but I, I got to speak to this uh, because of who I am. Being a black woman scholar, y'all, is hard as hell. If one has any semblance of blackness politically, ideologically, um, it, it it can be hard. And I have been going through one of those periods in my career and I've been going through it for a while. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know, I've been back and forth on on related issues um but it, it it's 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 uh, let me just just tell you what I mean so it's um i I have felt I have felt up until this you know experience I'm telling you about, I have felt that there are certain amounts of sacrifices that have to be made. Uh, to do the kind of work I'm committed to doing. And those sacrifices to me have been in, been to, um, oh, I'm, I want to be real careful with my language right now because I don't want it to sound any kind of way. But I've relegated myself to HBCUs, one, because I love them and I really, really, really want to be in them, Right. But there's also a comfort zone that's there in terms of the kind of research I do. No one questions why I study blackness because hell, I'm at an HBCU. Um, There's some things going on at my particular HBCU right now that that has that a little shaky. But that's another story for another day. Um, I'm actually working on a chapter on that right now. Um, But I have felt like I had to sacrifice Um, part of my voice in order to be quote unquote scholarly. Um, And that I think I would have had to do, I would have felt the need to do at either an HBCU or a PWI, right? Just to be scholarly, I cannot be all authentically Tiffany. That has been a struggle for me since I've entered the academy. Even when I was working on my graduate degrees, that has been a struggle for me. How black can one be? And be accepted by the academy. And then there's this pushback internally that I don't really want to be accepted by the academy because I'm in it because I want to change it. Right. And I'm not. This conversation is bigger than the academy. I'm just using those words because that's where I am. But I'm sure there are people out there in their own jobs and their own careers where they feel like part of themselves has to be sacrificed in order to fit into this institution that was never created with us in mind, or it was created with us in mind, but never created for us to be a part of, right? Um, And that's a hard place to be in, especially when one feels like they're in it alone. And for a long time, I have felt like I'm in it alone. Like I know I have friends who have similar seasons, but from the outside looking into their lives, it looks like seasons, right? You get frustrated for a while, but you're still racking up the publications and the awards and the kudos and the pub- publicity and all this kind of stuff. And I feel like I'm over here in my corner suffering and a special Tiffany kind of suffering. Um, But at that, I, I want to call it a retreat. Like it was obviously a scholarly endeavor. We did, I did walk away with a lot of, Um, new knowledge uh, about digital storytelling. But that was a healing retreat for me because I was in the company of sisters, not all of them from the academy, but all of us dedicated to telling authentic stories and to being our most authentic selves so that we can not only heal internally, but to be an apparatus by which the whole community heals. And it was just a powerful experience. And I walked away with some um, lessons that I wanted to share with you today. And the first one is we have to seek out community, right? There is a certain kind of healing that can be done. um, Just you and your spirits, right? I do think there is a kind of healing that can happen that way. But I, um, my own ideological uh, position and my own, Faith systems tell me that Africans heal best in communities and too many of us are carrying shit by ourselves that it should not be that should not be carried alone. Right. Heavy is too heavy to carry alone. (laughs) So when we have these heavy moments, some of us suffer in silence. And it's not all good. Like if you follow me on social media, you know, the last few weeks have been hell for me. Um, they've been rough emotionally because I am in this place where I feel like I have not lived my best life. Shout out to Lil Duval, who is now one of my theme song artists. Um I have not felt like I'm living my best life because I feel like there is a part of me I've been policing, and I know that's hard for you for some of y'all to believe. Because you are like, she don't bite her tongue about nothing. Believe it or not, I really do. There are parts of myself that I'm not, um, I'm not as public about. Like there is this whole part of my sexuality that I don't think I, you know. <sighs> that's another conversation for another day. Uh, there are whole parts of me though that I think I have stifled and I've stifled for all kind of um, reasons but the number one reason is for, from fear, right And that fear manifests in all kind of different ways. One is a fear of if I do this thing and I do this thing, well people will expect this of me all the time and I'm not sure I'm up for that right And then there's the fear of how will this reflect on my friends and my family if if people knew all of Tiffany, you know, how how they going to look at my mom and daddy? Right. That's there. Uh, I got to eat. So if I'm completely Tiffany, am I going to be able to be employed? Right. That all of these things. And it's not just me going through this. I know it because I've had conversations with some of you that we're all policing these different parts of ourselves. And I came away with this. Because of the nature of capitalism, I do think most of us are going to have to police to a certain extent whether we want to or not in order to operate in a capitalist system, right? That's just the nature of the beast. However, I think we have to be more di- diligent, excuse me, um diligent in creating spaces where the wholeness of ourselves can be present. Right. We have to create. That's what the Storyteller Project was for me. It was a space that was created by a black women for black women to be completely and authentically and wholly who they are. Right. And that's why it was so healing for me, because I could be in a space with other sisters. It was a safe space and I could play with, interrogate, engage all these parts of me that I have. Marginalized within myself. Right? It's interesting to me that people like me are always advocating for voice, always advocating for the marginalized. And at the same time we're doing that, we are silencing and marginalizing significant portions of who we are. That shit is pathological. And if we hold it in too long, we cannot be healthy, we cannot be whole, and we cannot be well. And so I think we have to be more intentional about creating spaces, whole spaces, where we can um, explore all parts of ourselves, and I don't mean all parts of ourselves, no holes barred. Um, You know, so if anybody's interested in creating spaces like that, let's get together and share some best practices. Let's share some resources, some information. I'm working on a retreat. My retreat is going to be specifically for uh, black women in the academy. Um, at least that's one of them. That's the first one I want to do because shit, that's who I am. I'm sorry. I'm selfish like that. Uh, but I do want to work on others. There need to be spaces where we can be happy, healthy, and whole in the company of our sisters. Collective healing is the best healing. Fight me on that. Um, uh, so I want to move into this idea of voter suppression that's going on right now. I'm in Georgia, right? And we've been on the news lately because we have, um, a Republican candidate who is also our Secretary of State here in Georgia, and he has purged the polls of a number of people of color um, in ways seeking to uh, manipulate the outcome for these midterm elections and for the gubernatorial race, gubernatorial race here in Georgia, uh, of which he's running. It's just, oh my God, the hypocrisy is crazy. Like you want to be the party. Of morality and you are just the biggest liars and crooks and I, it just it baffles me it baffles me who these people are and why they are who they are um, but I said all that to say this it is time for us to be village um, with one another um, and holding one another accountable for voting we need to be voting I am pleased beyond pleasure at the high rates of uh, turnout for early voting here in Georgia. But all of us, many of us have seen uh, where people are being turned away at the polls. People are being told there's an address mismatch. Um, you can vote with an address mismatch. Don't let any poll worker turn you away. Ask, provisional, ask for a provisional ballot, but also call and report that. Um But there are articles going around now that say these white supremacist organizations want to start turning out at the polls to intimidate voters. Well, if that's the case, we need in our communities to be present. Right. I'm not that. I'm not really scary (laughs) because I'm that kind of person. If someone is scary, call me up. I'll ride with you. You know, we need to have that kind of buddy network going on. But even bigger than that. We need to be holding one another accountable and we need to be educating one another about these platforms. I am of the ilk um, and of the mindset that says we do not vote democratic just because we are black. We vote platforms that work in the best interests of our communities, right? It just so happens This time around, it's a democratic platform. But I do think we need to critically engage these politicians because they are politicians. And I don't, you know, I don't care how good a politician you are. If you're a politician, I really don't trust you a whole lot. That's just Tiffany. Um, But I do think we have to engage these platforms critically. And we need to teach one another about that. Um, One of the things we lost with segregated schools was this attention to citizenship education. Um, anybody who teaches public school that is honest with themselves knows that the American public school system does a piss poor job of preparing people to be viable citizens in terms of understanding um, how civics works. Um, I think we need to create uh, institutions, organizations, programming, uh informal conversations that are geared towards helping people understand what our political responsibilities are in terms of learning about how things work, right? We also need to develop a more global identity. Uh, We need to understand how things affect us here in the United States that happen abroad and vice versa, right? I don't think we do a good enough job of that Um, And that's why some of this ethnocentrism that is rampant in the GOP right now, I think that that's part of where it comes from, is a limited, very limited understanding of the world and how the world works, right? You cut off your nose to spite your face because you don't understand global economics, for example. Right. So in our own communities, we have to be engaging in opportunities to connect with the diaspora worldwide and to learn more about the diaspora. So any opportunities you have to travel. I'm a travel snob and I turn my nose up at anybody bragging about Paris who ain't never set foot on the continent. Like that's some bullshit to me. I don't understand where where your where your priorities are. I, I think we should be learning about ourselves before we seek to learn about anything else. And that's not to say that there's not a black Paris. We know that there is. We know that Paris has a very uh, complicated history with black Americans. Yeah, that's. An, I, I'm going to get off that because that's another topic for another day. Another day. Another day. I do want us, though, to be more globally minded right? To be citizens of the world. And to think about that economically. Uh, If business isn't popping for you in the United States, you might want to look at other places. Look at other markets. Where can you market your goods and materials outside of the United States? Where can you import goods and materials from and sell here in the United States? I think we have to move beyond the very shallow very narrow, very small box that the American public school system puts many of us in and think beyond that and have a global uh, consciousness about ourselves, right? So this is one of the ways that I'm seeking to change. Um, I'm going to start doing more traveling. I'm dedicating myself to that. Um, I'm trying to work around my budget and figure out how to budget some things a little differently, So that I can continue to travel and to build partnerships and relationships with people in other places and spaces and to start hosting some of these trips, because I think it's important for our students to travel abroad. Many of them can't afford it. So I'm also going to be looking at um, some investors who want to work with me and figuring out how we can set up some study abroad opportunities with some institutions throughout the diaspora, formal and informal. Let's do it. So as I'm talking about these things I want to do, it's important that I, I point out to not only myself, but I hope, hopefully to you too, you've paid attention to the fact that we have less than 10 weeks left in 2018. Things that we wanted to accomplish this year, like there are two different kinds of people. There are two different kinds of people. One kind of person looks at the fact that we have about 10 weeks left and says, I didn't do nothing. I said I was going to do this this year fuck it. I just wait till 2019. There's that person. And then there's somebody like me who's like, damn, I ain't do everything I said I was going to do this semester. And not this semester. I'm sorry. See the academic. I didn't do everything I said I was going to do this year. Let me hump with it and get some, at least some check marks on this le- list. Right? So I can either give up, float to 2018, try to start over in 2019, or I can ramp up my efforts for the end of 2018 so that I'm entering 2019 on a high, right? That's what I'm trying to do. I'm, I'm humping with it these next few weeks. You're going to see some new materials come out. You're going to see some new programs and projects come out. If you're following me on social media, you know I got a couple of different ventures going. You're going to see stuff pumping out of all of them because I got to finish 2018 in such a way that I'm setting myself up for a beautiful 2019. I ain't living like this no more. I'm putting y'all on notice. I'm not living like this no more. This check to check, uh, clothes on the floor because I don't have no energy to clean up, type, eating all kind of crazy fast food. I'm not doing that anymore, right? I'm not, and I'm not waiting until 2019 to fix it. I'm not waiting until 2019 to fix it. I'm working on it now. So if anybody's interested in working on it now, I got something for you. So a while ago, I created a Pushing the Reset workbook. Designed to help you get in touch with your own patterns so that you could ramp up and reset your life and make it exactly what you want it to be, right? Now ask me, have I advertised that workbook that I have on hand? I got it printed and everything and got it in a box in my office. I think it's the perfect time to go on and let y'all know that it's available for purchase on com. That's www.t-e-l-l-e-m-t-i-p-t-o-l-d-y-o-u.com. If you visit my website and you go under shop, you will see the Pushing the Reset workbook. Now, I was talking to somebody the other day that I actually gifted a copy to and he said to me, You know, you made me do some self-work I wasn't ready to do. The book is not a long book. It is a short workbook, but it is designed to take you to some places where I think you need to go so that you can set yourself up for a beautiful 2019. It's going to help you uncover some patterns. See, most of us, if you think about your own life, every year is a reflection of the year before. The same kinds of mistakes the same kinds of addictions, the same kinds of joys, the same kinds of pleasures. They repeat themselves. They might have different faces. They might have different names. You might get one or two new things a year. But for the most part, we live, humans are animals patterns we operate within patterns and once you identify what your patterns are it's easier for you to go in and adjust your behavior so that you can achieve the things you want to achieve now one of the things I hate about the last iPhone update (coughs) slash love is this whole giving me a report of my screen time Y'all, I'm ashamed to tell y'all what my screen time is per day. That is, I looked at it this morning. I was like, that's some bullshigity right there. Right? But now I'm forced to look at that pattern and say, you keep telling me you're too tired to do X, Y, Z. You keep telling me you have not had time to go in and load those um, classroom kits into PogueEducationalConsulting.com. You keep telling me you don't have time to go out here and get some um, new consultants for paparazzi. You keep telling me you don't have time to sit down and finish that book. But I'm looking at your daily screen time on your phone. Tiffany, you a lie. <laughs> right? So when you identify your patterns, it does help you see how some of the things you've been saying are really excuses. Really? So... The whole time thing is is an excuse for me because my 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 iPhone now is telling on me and saying you got time you're just spending it on the damn phone, <laughs> right? So um, identifying your patterns helps you become more realistic about what you need to adjust so that you can live your best life, right? On top of that, the workbook not only helps you identify your patterns, it also starts to ask you questions to help you create strategies to affect those patterns. So if you're interested in something like that, either send me an email, DrTip at tellemtiptoldyou.com, or go on on the website and click around and see if it's something you might find useful. I think you will. I think you will. Thank you for joining me today. I've enjoyed speaking with you. Uh, If you are anywhere in middle and southwest Georgia, I am thankful that you're safe enough to hear my voice. We came through a storm. They just cleared the last of the tree off my roof yesterday. Um, and there, But there are people still here in the city without power. So my thoughts and prayers go out for them. And I thank all of us for being who we are. Thanks for joining. I hope you have a beautiful, beautiful day. Tell them Tip told you. Bye.